Hi, welcome to the Holding Hands and Throwing Fist podcast. I got the mic. And I have the opinions. Friends and listeners, welcome to season eight. We've done it. We've done it. We took two weeks off and we're back. We're, we we needed those two weeks. Yeah, we really did. We could have tried to squeeze in last week, but last week was just too crazy. And honestly, I'm glad I'm just going to be able to recap it today instead of like even do what everyone else in MMA media did, which was give a synopsis of what they thought was going to happen and then have everything change immediately. <laughs> Absolutely everything. Like 17 times. And plus, I feel like we needed a break because the first seven seasons of holding hands and throwing fists we we got into this rhythm and now we're we're breaking the rhythm we're breaking the rhythm a little bit here which you hate <laughs> so i'm shocked that we're doing it but you Do know you see me going with the flow right now so there's these two muffins right <laughs> <laughs> So with season eight, we're taking a slightly new approach. Instead of following our usual format, we're each going to do a deep dive on a weekly opinion or story that we feel we need to share with our friends and listeners. Let us know what you think. If it totally sucks, we could bring you back a top five as early as next week. But don't worry, we'll still hit you with the greatest hits like MMA boo-boos, MMA fashion, MMA beef, and why we want both to win, and so on and so on. Another theme of holding hands and throwing fists is that we want to shine a light on some lesser-known athletes, personalities, and storylines in the world of mixed martial arts and combat sports in general. I'm not going to do that today because I want to talk to you about (laughs) what everyone else (laughs) in the MMA world is talking about because of how special and unique it was. Last week, the MMA gods intervened and made UFC 279 something to remember. What made it stand out are the countless storylines woven together. It is truly a cross-section of the past 15 years in UFC UFC history and it blew up and fucking came together in just 24 hours all right babe i think this is a really fun good idea we do have mics we do have opinions why do we always rush through the opinions so yeah let's just have less opinions and shove them down your throat exactly (laughs) no wonder i got behind this fuck yeah all right babe here i go kick it off Nate Diaz, who I first learned about as Nick's little brother, literally fought for his freedom from his UFC contract, (laughs) and it was like a heist movie. Nick's little brother, Nate, who had felt overlooked and ignored before calling out and choking out Conor McGregor, creating the BMF title, and overall rising the entire value of the company, got his wish. As the UFC was stalling to make the trilogy with McGregor happen, who is still recovering from his broken leg on a yacht somewhere. And looking like he's going into a real cheap tanning booth the cheapest available he voluntarily took on the scariest boogeyman in the organization Kamzat Shemaev well Kamzat as it turns out turns out is fucking crazy and he missed his weight by almost 10 pounds this is something that doesn't happen in fights let alone main events so it was a big deal Six fighters had their three fights completely rearranged because Kamzat missed weight the day before the fights. Li Jing Liang uh, drew the shortest straw as he had to. He actually fought someone and lost a close split decision. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, who was a much bigger challenge than his orig- original opponent, uh, Tony Ferguson. But the leech did win in MMA fashion big time this week. More on that later. Then Kamzat completely punked our boy and Jamie's boy, Kevin Holland. Babe, I just heard that there's an MMA term called being punked. 
which means you didn't land one strike or have any control time whatsoever. Uh, Do you know why it's called punked? I don't. I thought it was because of like, you know, you've been punked like Ashton Kutcher style. Yeah. But that's because it's what famously happened to CM Punk in his fight against Mickey Gall. He didn't land one punch or have any control time. So uh, whatever comes out one and comes out fashion uh and for now everyone hates him so let's move on but he punked kevin holland and i was fucked up damn okay still got more of this opinion to get through so nate fought tony and it was just fucking fun man it was super respectful between both guys they were playing what mma twitter called their greatest hits and (laughs) mma twitter was finally like all about it nate's walkout was an all-time walkout he had three songs rolling stones gimme shelter which was freaking sick uh rock band vibes yeah into still dre by the doctor himself and then rounded it out of course with of course with no one else but for nate diaz but tupac so gotta represent his brother nick who's uh battling like bad mental health stuff and just partying too much with fucking drugs and booze in vegas walked in behind him and looked better than he has recently which is a beautiful thing to watch after a three-round back-and-forth uh, battle, Nate was getting the better of Tony, who forced to shoot in on the fourth round uh, with a takedown, and in true Diaz fa- fashion, Nate submitted him with a beautiful guillotine. So the MMA gods are ruthless and brutal. They take all they want and often give little in return, but for once they rewarded a man, his team, and even his opponent, honestly, and for sure all the fans with some glorious shit, and it was a fucking honor to watch. Absolutely. <sighs> I know that that was worthy to kick off season eight's first opinion. Well, it was it was a fucking awesome thing to to witness, and I feel like a little bit, even though we've been awesome, and I always give you credit because like you've kept the ship going uh, for a long time, although we both do it back and forth. Mm-hmm. But I have felt like some sort of bit of like. There's been not not I don't want to say a slump, but like there's just great cards all the time. But there's also like a level of MMA where everything's kind of balancing out. And this like really stood out as something special. So I'm really happy that that's how we're starting off season eight. Absolutely. And I wanted to bring this up um, because I knew you were talking about Nate. I just didn't know what you were going to say was that Nate is known for repping Stockton 209. Yeah. And it seemed like Nate won right yeah. with two, two minutes and nine seconds left but officially yeah, they yeah. put it in as two minutes and eight seconds well th- that always happens like when Connor- it's so unclear like it could they could have easily made it nine no you know what it is tony tapped at 209 but it takes a second or two for, for the, the ref, ref to actually mm-hmm. tell them to stop that's like what happened connor knocked out jose and faster in 13 30 right, seconds right right for right sure. but, right or uh was it? I think it was Connor, but for sure, for sure, Mazadal knocked out Askren. Right, but which, that came, that went in three seconds. So you would say it should just be one second? No, I think they called it as five. Oh, they did. I think they did. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you get your opinion out, and then maybe we might talk about that when that comes up. Okay. Cool. So, um, as George said, this season of holding hands and throwing fists, we want to highlight lesser known storylines and fighters. And while Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is not necessarily unknown, I do think he's definitely underappreciated. And when people have that goat conversation, his name should always be mentioned. 
Johnson's MMA career began in 2007, and that was when he began fighting for the WEC, which was World Extreme Cage Fighting. Um, Oh, excuse me, in 2010, and WEC became UFC a few months later. At this point in his career, Mighty Mouse was fighting as a bantamweight, 135 pounds, because it was the lowest weight class. And he even got to fight for the title against Dominic Cruz, who ultimately won. Shortly after that in 2012, Mighty Mouse got to partake in a little flyweight tournament to figure out who would be the UFC's first flyweight champion. Johnson was in the first fight of the tournament, meaning he was in the first flyweight fight in the UFC ever, and then he ended up winning the tournament, so he became the first flyweight champion when he beat Joseph Benavidez for the first time. Damn, he did Joey Joey be dirty. In the following five years, Mighty Mouse defended his belt 11 motherfucking times. 11. That's crazy. Is that the record? It, I believe it is. Okay, cool. Many like to argue that Mighty Mouse somehow had it easier than other champs because the pool of fighters at 125 pounds is less. So maybe people got a shot at the belt because the pool is so small and less competitive than other divisions. Even though I can acknowledge and agree with that, I would also point out that that argument makes it even more impressive that Mighty Mouse could still stay motivated and super skilled to prepare for all those fights to maintain his belt. During those years as a champion, you never heard any negative stories or drama coming out regarding Mighty Mouse, making him one of MMA's ultimate good guys. Zero drama. Right? Yeah, he's the man. And just because George always likes to throw his little plugs in, some might say they're even like Instagram besties. Oh, that's true. That I think that was actually Twitter when he was. Uh, no, it was it was on your Instagram. What physically superior? Yeah. yeah. When I put in uh, the first time he was on Joe Rogan years ago, <laughs> he said he couldn't. Sp- he spelled physically physically, <laughs> and then I took Mighty Mouse, the the cartoon character that he's named after, and put physically superior, and he liked it, and I posted it so, like. Oh- Another reason he's a good guy. He can laugh at himself. Listen to this. Saw your shit and liked it. Listen to this. Yeah. Uh, Ultimate even more good guy. He's tied for most title defenses with fucking John Jones. But listen to this shit. John Jones isn't consecutive. He won eight and then three because he got stripped because he's such a not MMA good guy that Demetrius has the title, uh, the record for most consecutive title defenses. No one will beat that. It's highly unlikely. No one will ever. Who 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 could have? Kamara. Usman, Kamara was, and look yeah, what just and, happened. Yeah. So just to um, move Johnson's career along, in 2018, he lost his UFC flyweight belt to Henry Cejudo in a split decision. And right after, he was traded to one championship for Ben Askren to come to the UFC. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Ben Askren is getting this 
these shout outs on this episode. He's an important guy. People, you know. Askren, you might recall, got knocked the fuck out by Jorge Masvidal in his second UFC fight. They called it in five seconds officially. I just verified that. But he really, it really happened in like 2.75. Sheesh. Um, so since Johnson went to one championship, he's won four out of his last five fights. And his most recent win at the end of August also won him his the one championship flyweight belt. Along with that, I learned as I was doing this research um, that he grew up with a deaf mom and an abusive stepfather, but has overcome that and been an amazing fighter, father, and husband. Mighty Mouse is one of the most underappreciated fighters with 31 wins and only four losses, and we're always going to love and support him. Shouts out to Mighty Mouse for real. Oh, real. And one championship, which you can now watch on Amazon Prime. So who doesn't fucking have Amazon Prime? Let's go, Bezos. Give us that money. Yeah. You could actually write that check instead of Bud Light Seltzer. Fuck that noise. Fuck that noise. All right, so we're gonna get into that was that was really fun. That felt a little bit more like a like a like a NPR podcast. Ugh, what's, what's <laughs> the, there's one who's the narrator of Serial that I don't podcast. Fucking know. I, I can't don't give deal a with fuck. her voice. I can't deal with it either. But we do have some uh, other segments that we want to get through. So what should I do? Should I play like the uh top five music before? We're, George is gonna pick some music, but we're gonna call this segment if this lasts, because we do want to hear your feedback and hear if you, you liked this at all, we're going to call the end of it now. Instead of stealing from someone else, we got our own shit. This is season eight. We don't need other people's shit. No. We're, we're calling this the Holding Hands and Throwing Fists Classics Rundown. my favorite little clip of music i think i've ever written in my life can't let it go it's incredible <laughs> thanks babe so we're gonna start off with i think the universally beloved everyone's favorite mma boo-boos Faux show. and if we're gonna get freaking any traction on social media i think we, we gotta really i god damn it i'm paying anybody to do mma boo-boos for us on instagram <laughs> <laughs> so tony ferguson shin was leaking blood throughout the fight I think it happened in the first round. It's rare you see a cut on the shin, man. And he said after, he didn't even realize it. It was bleeding the whole entire fight. And those cut men in the corner, they were really like piss poor at uh, trying to get it to stop. Like, if Tony didn't feel it, they certainly didn't see it because they didn't do shit. (laughs) I just realized I was kind of like Thomas's first cut man. I know. That's really sad. Okay. So I'm happy. Next on the Classics Rundown, MMA fashion. George alluded to this earlier. We have to tell you about Lee Jingliang. (laughs) Damn! He totally reps MMA fashion this week. He had the sickest custom suit made in Vegas that was fire. You need to check out Buffers Blazers on Instagram for pictures. It was a plaid print navy suit with all sorts of accessories, pink socks, and glasses that I didn't necessarily love, but I can go with the idea that it fit his overall look. 
It sucks that the press conference got canceled and he couldn't show off the look. But like we said before, he got all the love from the often hateful MMA community for it. Dude, he got so much love. He was so deserving. I He definitely got so many new fans and people who were like already kind of fans are now like... We, we love him even fucking mm-hmm. more now. And we've been fans. We saw him f- fight live at the UBS arena in freaking Elmont. <laughs> um, <laughs> but dude, you got to also see the that he's a chef. You got to see oh the fucking meal he God. prepared on Embedded. It was amazing looking. He, he filled a table with delicious looking food. Yeah. Vegetables, oh freaking uh Obviously soup. lots of proteiny. Yeah, lots of proteiny. Ugh. Speaking of protein, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> MMA beef, dude. I don't. I honestly, I didn't even follow the beef that really happened last week. But it's something loosely kind of happened where Hamzat and his like ten boys were trying to start with Paulo Costa Boracinha at the PI, which is like on the second floor of the building in in Vegas that UFC owns, and like nothing really happened. But it was just a whole lot of yelling and back and forth. And then they had the press conference on Thursday night for the pay-per-view that was on Saturday. And they had to cancel it because Comstock and his boys got into a fight with uh, Kev- uh, Jamie's boy, Kevin Holland, and his boys. And then they were doing push and shoving and fucking talking shit. And then Nate Diaz, after it calmed down, Nate Diaz and his boys walked through. And then Nate threw a water bottle, which famously, like, they got in trouble for throwing water bottles during the Nate Connor 2 press conference bullshit. So Dana had to call the press conference completely off, which was such a bummer for everyone mm-hmm. um but also biggest bummer for lee jing liang who couldn't show his suit dang it but now you're all gonna go see it because now you heard about mma fashion mm-hmm. our last part of the holding hands and throwing fists classics rundown why we want both to win just moving forward to this week's fights on saturday um cory sanhagen and song yudong are fighting in an otherwise non-recognizable card but i do believe it's a case where we want both to win yeah i think that's what it is like i don't want to say uneventful but mma now is so like balance that like you need to be good at these things that honestly tony and nate were not good at and that's why it was like Mm. this vintage kind of like old school fighting thing and that's what made last week so special but we're still going to watch this week and it's going to be awesome and we do want both to win we do yeah why why don't you end the episode off with a joke i would love to you always tell me how funny i am so there's these two muffins in an oven one of them says, man, it's really hot in here. And the other says, holy shit, a talkie muffin. Pretty good, babe. That's classic AB right there. <laughs> Still not putting out your name out there. Um, for those of you who don't get the joke, <laughs> besides the joke being a 10 out of 10 joke. No, no, don't tell them. You, you tell us if you know why we inserted that joke in this episode, oh, we're going to give you a free holding hands and throwing fists t-shirt. Oh, oh shit. Bribery. T-shirt. <laughs> T-shirts are coming soon, but they're going to be cotton poly and they're going to be tight, but uh, they're going to be filled with colors. Yay. <laughs> I'm excited. Can we just like literally just copy and paste a Lily print on it? 
Genius. And then put a holding hands doing fish. Genius. Our season eight, episode one. Rest in peace, Elias Theodoro. You were the main event, and it breaks our heart that you were taken from the MMA community so soon. May your memory be eternal. Love you, brother. 